Good morning, and I'm sorry I can't be with you this morning. Julie, my wife, has uh, tested positive for COVID, and although I'm negative, we thought we didn't want to put anybody at risk uh, or take any chances. This morning's talk is entitled Words for the Wise, and given the passage that has just been read to you, the, which in my Bible is called the wife of noble character. I have to be very careful what I say. But firstly, I'm not going to avoid this passage. I'll come to that at the end. But if you've been following our sermon series, which is based on this book, you'll know that we're undertaking a, a, a review of the whole Bible in about 50 or so week-long studies which sounds pretty detailed, but uh, actually uh, some, of the some of the weeks we're covering quite a lot of ground, which we are doing this week. And we've got to the point where we're right in the middle of the Old Testament, what is known as the Books of Wisdom. Now there's some debate over exactly what is the, all the Books of Wisdom, but it's generally accepted that we have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Job at the core of them. Some add Song of Songs and some section of Psalms and a few other pieces. But this morning I'll be distilling the wisdom from the Bible in a few short minutes, which fills me with some trepidation. I have to admit, once again, that I've got a huge amount of blessings from doing this preparation. Because normally we study the Bible in sort of bite-sized chunks, pouring over the details of a few verses. Whereas here we're considering whole books, or in this case, several books. And this can be just as rewarding. I was reminded that Julie and I particularly like watching the programme called Secrets of the Museum. And you see some of the hard-working curators spending hours on the minute detail of various things that's in their care. But then at the end they can be able to step back and appreciate the whole thing, having done, gone into the detail and then looking at the whole thing in one go. So here I hope is a quick advert for yourselves to do some personal Bible study in these books that might that you can study and edify and inwardly digest and maybe also share this amongst your home groups. But first of all, maybe I should think about a definition of wisdom. One of my favourites is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge tells you that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom tells you not to put it in a fruit salad. In preparing this talk, I found that the Hebrew concept of wisdom is slightly different to ours, and the word that's mainly used is called chokmah, which has two aspects, the moral and the practical. It embodies basically heart wisdom and head wisdom. It's not a passive concept. Wisdom isn't about passing on small little morsels of wise words. 
but it's about applying it to your lives. In fact, in Judaism, uh, they held manual skilled labour in great esteem. And uh, the ultimate would be for a skilled carpenter, perhaps, with moral and spiritual wisdom. It's a bit like keeping, not keeping our spiritual side only for Sundays and the head knowledge for the rest of the week, but combining them all. These books in the centre of the Old Testament portion of the Bible are almost an intermission in what's been going on. And as a gross approximation, you could say that up to this point, what's been going on is that the, the, the law has been given after the fall. And then we see the history of the Jews attempting to keep those laws and falling away. So then we get to this intermission of the wisdom books. And then late, later on, we get the prophets, which tell of what's to come next. In fact, mentioning Solomon is, as part of wisdom, it isn't clear that he's actually the author of some of these wisdom books. What's fascinating to me is the prospect of sometimes the hard-earned experience people have had have been distilled into these books. And also, there's the opportunity that is given to express some doubts and work them through. So I commend the study of these books for those particular persons because these are things, lessons that have been learned from very painful experiences. And it's an acknowledgement that life is complex. One commentator suggested that the three books, Proverbs, Job and Ecclesiastes, are almost a conversation between three people with different perspectives. It shows God's grace in giving us scope to process life with all its ups and downs. There's a sort of creative tension between these books. You might see the conversation going something like this. Job says, the righteous aren't immune from suffering, but God is supreme. Ecclesiastes responds by saying, yeah, but ultimately we all die. So where has everything got us? Proverbs says, you would be wise to take my advice. Actions do have consequences. God has ordained how to live wisely and we should follow this. It's just as relevant today as when my first edition came out. There are no new virtues and no new sins. My advice holds. Ecclesiastes butts in at this point and says, yes, there's nothing new under the sun. At this point, Song of Songs comes bursting in and says, can I be invited to this group? I've even been excluded from the New Testament. Don't leave me out here. I would like to add the insight that I think that there is a golden thread running through all of history with regard to wisdom. Can't you see the parallels of a love-filled marriage with the church to Christ? So let's leave those for discussing this and move on. Something that I have kept coming back to in preparation for this talk 
is the placement of the wisdom books in the centre of the Old Testament. And it seems to be, to me, no accident. The story at the beginning of the Bible starts in Genesis chapter 3 with Eve noticing the tree of knowledge of good and bad, even though they had free access to the tree of life. Verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, see that it was the appeal of gaining wisdom, but Adam and Eve were trying to do it in their own way, in their own strength and in their own timing. God had intended to give wisdom in his way and in his timing. We see in the subsequent chapters of the Bible the decline of civilization, the establishment of the chosen people and the moral legal code for salvation, with another gradual decline resulting in exile. And then comes the wisdom books. What follows, and here's a spoiler alert, that when we get to the end of the Bible, we see in Revelation chapter 22, us being reunited with the tree of life. But there's no mention of the tree of knowledge of good and bad, which is not needed if we follow the Hokmah wisdom. So the sort of questions these books address are the likes of what does it mean to live in God's world? What happens when things go wrong? But I offer a word of caution here. If you plan to read Job or Ecclesiastes, make sure you complete it, as the end part puts the trials, tribulations and trivialities into context. But for me, I think it is reassuring that a normal part of our journey of faith includes dealing with doubt from time to time. I was particularly heartened by some words in one of Timothy Keller's books. Let me read it to you. A faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do, will find themselves defenceless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart sceptic. God, with his infinite grace, has placed the rehearsal of doubts and questions in his scriptures. Our God is a God that keeps on giving. I feel like undertaking a study of so many books in one go, almost like opening a treasure chest, only to pick out a few choice gems from that, and then picking also out a few strange looking objects and pondering what that, that is. I hope and pray that you might like to delve into the treasure chest yourself, or discuss it within your home groups. Anyway, I can avoid it no longer. Let's have a quick look at the wife of noble character. And I thought that there were like three ways in which we could look at this passage. First of all, allegorically. This passage is about the personification of Lady Wisdom. And in many passages of 
in the Bible, including Solomon's request for wisdom, the word is used is feminine. This perhaps should be parked here for another in-depth study. Secondly, we can think of this as a, as a poem. In this ending of the book of Proverbs, it bookends the starting passages in chapter 2, where wisdom is clearly shown as a lady. It's also what they call an acrostic poem. In Hebrew, there's 22 letters and they're all fairly useful. And each verse in, in this section starts with a different letter, the Hebrew alphabet. And that might be one way in which you find it's easy to try and remember. That's assuming that you speak Hebrew. But thirdly, I think we can take this passage quite literally. This is a God-given standard, but it's not pointed just to the women to be the shining examples. The book of Proverbs warns young men to choose wisely their partners on their selection of wives. But also, a wife of such wisdom requires support, nurture, love and the authority from her husband. As the body of Christ, let us support one another. Help each other to, to reach our full potential, all for the glory of God. Amen.